Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. Today in our episode, we're going to be looking at further appearances that our Lord Jesus made after his resurrection. And to do that, we're going to look at several passages. We're going to begin with Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 44. We will also be going to John chapter 20, verse 19, through chapter 21 and verse 23. But we'll begin with the appearance to the two disciples and their report to the others that we find in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 32. And behold, on that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, which was 60 stadia from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they came to a stop, looking sad. One of them, named Clopas, answered and said to him, Are you possibly the only one living near Jerusalem who does not know about the things that happened here in these days? And he said to them, What sort of things? They said to him, Those about Jesus the Nazarene, who proved to be a prophet mighty indeed, and in word and in the sight of God and all people, Now the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. But also some women among us left left us bewildered. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And so some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, You foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to come come into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he gave the the impression that he was going farther. And so they strongly urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And it came about when he had reclined at the table with them. They took the bread and blessed it, and he broke it and began giving it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were our hearts not burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining to us the scriptures? We don't really know who these two disciples were other than the fact that the name of one of them was Cleopas. Uh, As these two are walking along, they were discussing the wondrous events that had taken place in Jerusalem that morning. After a time, Jesus joined himself to them as they were journeying along and through some divine measure 
restrained their vision so that they did not recognize him. At some point, Jesus interrupted their discussion by asking them what they were talking about. It certainly seems that they were somewhat surprised by the question and nearly the interruption. Cleophas was the one who answered, indicating surprise that there was someone who could not know of the events that had taken place. I could paraphrase his answer in this way by saying, Are you the only person visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know about this thing or these things? When Jesus said, What things? They continued with their answer, telling of his deliverance by the chief priests and the rulers of the Jews in order that he might be put to death by crucifixion. Notice what they said, or what they had thought of Jesus. They said he was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. That's true, but it didn't go nearly far enough. If we look a little bit further, we can see that they looked for an earthly ruler, one who would overthrow the Roman government. And they had hoped that Jesus was that person. They said, but we trusted that it had been he which should redeem Israel. These two continued their answer, indicating once again that this was the very day of the resurrection, not meaning a strict 72 hours, but counting the time just as we do rather freely. This was Sunday. They mentioned the report of the women who had gone earlier to the temple, or the tomb rather, saw the angels and found the tomb empty. They also mentioned the reaction to the report, which was one of amazement. And they told of Peter and John's visit to the tomb and the fact that they found it just as the women had said, but they had not seen Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed by the, the way this, uh, the Clopas describes the events I mean, and to how public it was. I mean, just as, as you point out, Craig, that it was, are you the only one that doesn't know what, what's happened here? And this was very well known and... Um, Something obviously of great importance then and certainly today, but just an amazing thing on, on how this this was just a for for that area in the world at that time was just a everything stopped kind of thing. That was the news that everyone was heard was talking about, and for Clopas uh, to come across somebody who doesn't know what had happened was uh, very clearly shocking to him and um love the explanation that he has as well of the the good news um portion of verses 22 through 24 to the point of that the tomb is empty and they have not found his body and the there's still in the midst of that there's this um curiosity and and hope in the midst of the more sad events that he described with jesus's um death at this point Jesus finally spoke to the two individuals, and the first thing he did was charge those two disciples with being slow to understand and to believe the things that the prophets had spoken about these very events. But can you imagine what it was like to be there and have Jesus begin with Moses and go through the prophets showing them how all of the things spoken concerning the one who was to come were being fulfilled in him. Of course, at this time, the two individuals still did not know that this was Jesus for some reason, and I believe it was miraculous. They did not recognize who he was. But can you imagine what that lesson must have been like 
they heard Jesus explain all of the types and symbols contained in the Old Testament that referred to him. Jesus explained the statements and the predictions of the prophets concerning him. I, I think of this particular event and this particular discourse that Jesus had with two of his disciples, and I wish I would have been there, that it would have been something to see, something to hear. Finally, though, they arrived at the village of Emmaus, and Jesus acted as though he intended just to continue on in his journey. When the two urged him to stay with them, Jesus did so. Together they went into their place of lodging. And as they sat down to eat, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and gave it to them. And now their eyes were opened, and they knew that it was Jesus. Once he had revealed himself to them, he vanished. Whatever was the situation with the resurrected Jesus, he obviously was not bound by physical limitations and time and space. Yeah, I think just as you said, with Jesus explaining from the from the scriptures, um, just just it's it's powerful to hear just a a man, um, not just a normal man, speaking about the scriptures and and pointing to Jesus and how it all flows and points to Jesus. Let alone the fact it's it's him himself. It's it's the Word. It's Jesus Christ explaining how all of these things have been pointing to him, and specifically. With verse 26, talking about that it was necessary that the Christ had to undergo these sufferings and come to, and to come into his glory. This was needed, and the scriptures, in the Old Testament in particular, pointed to that. And we are exa- able to examine that as well. And Jesus showed that to them. And we also see their their zeal and care of, of Clopas and this other disciple here in verse 32 when it talks about how their hearts, they are speaking, and talks about their hearts were burning within them when he was speaking to, when Jesus was speaking to them on the road while he was explaining the scriptures. So certainly there was a care for what, for the scriptures and a desire to, to learn that they had. And also, I, I, just as you point out, I can't imagine, I would have loved to, to be there to hear Jesus explain and talk about how this event leads to this event and what it points to and what this prophecy involved and, and all of the things that Jesus would have brought up is is amazing. Um, and I, I just you know can't imagine even the, the joy for these, these two guys here, especially when they, they finally realize that it's Jesus and then he vanishes. So it wasn't like a moment where uh, Mary gets the chance where she, when Jesus was a gardener to, in her eyes, um, and viewed, and then came to realize it was Jesus, and then got to have an interaction more so with them. This is more, they realized, and then he vanished. And so, I think that's an interesting piece of this story as well. It's interesting as well that it's kind of like their news was too good, and they're far too important for them to wait even till tomorrow to tell the people what had happened, tell their friends what had happened. So they left immediately for Jerusalem to share the news with the apostles. When they got there, the apostles were discussing the resurrection and that the Lord had appeared to Peter. This appearance is mentioned by Luke and by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 5. But as far as the details concerning that appearance, we don't have any revealed. However, it seems to me that the Lord had taken special care to help Peter. 
after his denial and then his obvious repentance. The women had been told, go your way, tell the disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. Well, now we find that Jesus has made an appearance to Peter alone. The two disciples told the apostles all that had happened to them and how they came to recognize Jesus when they sat down to eat. The scriptures tell us that the apostles did not believe their report. It is clear that by now the apostles did believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. Perhaps they simply had difficulty believing the particulars of the report given by these two disciples. Again, what a wonderful and glorious opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and have the Old Testament prophets explained to him. What an amazing thing. Yeah, just just been marvelous, beyond words to have have been there. It's certainly a blessing for these two individuals to have been there. I, I'm also struck by, just as you pointed out in the beginning of verse 33, that they didn't wait until tomorrow or wait until next week or whatever. It was that very hour they returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven are going to tell them of, of what they saw, that the Lord has appeared to Simon, things that you point out, Craig. I just think it's it's amazing, and, and something I like to look at when reading the scriptures is the use of words like immediately or that very hour, and the urgency when Jesus, for example, heals people. Uh, in a good amount of the cases, it, it says immediately, and in other cases, it, it was immediate, although it may not say that word, but and immediately they were healed of whatever their illness was. The urgency of we have to go and tell the 11, in this case, of the good news and what has happened to them, and, and, and particularly in verse 34, um, to to Simon Peter. But do we have that same urgency as well? Of, of we are able to, we know about this news, we are able to read about what has happened to these two individuals, um, and, and other appearances that Jesus made, and certainly his death and resurrection, but do we have that urgency to share that with people we care about, um, just anybody in general, or are we more of a, I'll get to that later? Um, I think that's a the challenge for for all of us to try and um, make sure we're we're on it and trying to share the gospel uh, while we still have time. Let's go ahead and read verses thirty three through forty nine of Luke chapter twenty four. I'll read them. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, "The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon." And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and a honeycomb. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, 
that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send forth the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Evidently, while the discussion was taking place, Jesus appeared in the midst of the individuals. I think from reading it, it's still the same day as the resurrection, the first day of the week. The scriptures tell us that they were terrified and thought that they were seeing a spirit of some sort. Bear in mind that Jesus had appeared in their midst despite the fact that the door was shut for fear of the Jews. At his appearance, the Lord rebuked his disciples for their failure to understand and believe. Perhaps the two disciples had told them how Jesus demonstrated through Moses and the prophets that all of these things were to come to pass. It is obvious that the apostles were confused and vacillating between belief and disbelief, and I certainly understand that. Jesus then asked them to see his hands and his feet, touch him, handle him, and know that he was not some disembodied spirit. He showed them his hands and feet with the scars of the nails. Jesus showed them his side where the spear had been thrust. His point was that they would know and believe with a belief that would not falter, that this was Jesus with whom they had spent the last three years. This was their Lord, and he had risen from the dead. Yeah, I think it's just a, it's it's just so neat the how Jesus handles this and shows them the, the evidence and teaches them of showing his hands and his feet um, and the he, his physical body and the remnants of um, what had happened to him on the cross. And even when they still had struggled to believe, he eats as well. I just think it's just a, it's just neat thing that, that how that was handled. And then he's going to open their mind to the scriptures and, and teach them the different things about from the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And the, uh, just as he had taught uh, with, with Clopas and the other disciple there, of this is all pointed to these events and what what Jesus uh, has done, and uh, the suffering and resurrection that he has gone through or has gone through now, and also we see in verse forty nine in particular of the the promise to stay in the city until they're clothed with the power on high, um, which we'll get to see in Acts, um, not not too far from this episode. You know, they were amazed at what they were seeing. I, I kind of like what Luke tells us in the King James Version, where Luke makes the point, and while they still disbelieved for joy and wondered. Well, what does that mean? I think the meaning is kind of like the old saying is, that ever, have you ever thought, well, this is too good to be true? I think that's what they're saying here. This is the same idea. Jesus asked if they had anything to eat and was given a piece of broiled fish, which he ate. That satisfied the apostles that they were not seeing a ghost. With the apostles now fully convinced that this was the master, 
Jesus repeated his salutation and commissioned them to go forth. We'll be talking more about the Great Commission in a little bit. There's some controversy about a statement. He breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Obviously, the phrase, he breathed on them, at least to my mind, recalls Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, where the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The two main views that have been presented are these. The first is that the significance of Jesus' gesture suggests the power of a new spiritual life in the apostles, arising from their faith and fellowship with him and empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing contradictory between a further giving of the Spirit at this time and the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The second is, symbolic of the baptism which they were to receive at Pentecost, he breathed upon them. The apostles were to preach the gospel with its glorious message of the forgiveness of sins. The power to forgive sins did not rest with the apostles. That power belongs to God. However, they were going to be commissioned to preach the message that salvation and forgiveness of sins would belong to all who believed their message and obeyed its commands. Thomas, one of the twelve, had not been at this appearance of Jesus. We do not know why he was not present, and any speculation in that area would be worthless. We do know that the other apostles were completely convinced and told Thomas they had seen the Lord. Thomas was not going to be fooled or carried away by emotion. He believed that he would have to see the wounds of Jesus personally before he would believe. Let's go ahead now and turn our attention to John chapter 20. And when we get over to John chapter 20, my pages are sticking together here. When we get over to John chapter 20, we'll pick up reading in verse 19 and read on down through verse 31. Now when it was evening on the first day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were together due to the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you, just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, who was also called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands in the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came in the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst, and said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, Place your finger here, and see my hands, and take your hand and put it into my side, and not continue in disbelief, but be a believer. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you now believed? Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. So then many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. 
But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's focus on the reaction of Thomas. When Jesus appeared in their midst, the doors being shut, and Thomas with them. And Jesus turns his personal attention to Thomas, who hadn't been there before and hadn't seen the risen Lord yet. Now he's with them, and Jesus urges him to examine the evidence of the wounds he had suffered and become not faithless or become uh, disbelieving. Thomas was on his way to becoming an unbeliever, but the appearance of Jesus now reaffirms and reestablishes his faith. He believed on the basis of evidence personally seen. How wonderful it is to believe on the basis of testimony by accredited witnesses. Truly, all four of the Gospels were written, not one of them claiming to be an exhaustive, complete recounting of all that Jesus said and did to offer the testimony about Jesus and produce faith in those who read them. Yeah, it's just... Um, certainly, I think we can all take comfort in, in verse 29 when Jesus talks about blessed are those who not see and yet believe, because that certainly includes includes us. It, it was a blessing for, for them, and, and them being eyewitnesses and their testimony, as you pointed out, are very valuable and are going to be very important, great evidence for the validity of this. Um, not that it needed any more validity, but certainly adds to it. Um, and so these they're going to... And Thomas... Is um, is is going to be a part of this and and do good things and it's just a, an amazing thing that we are able to believe that this word has been uh, brought down to us obviously by God and we are still able to believe in what it says um, and and have it change us and save us as it did for Thomas in Second Peter chapter one uh, in verse twenty through twenty one. It, it talks about and says, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture becomes a matter of someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Um, that just, you know, when you're talking about the the divine inspiration of the of these writers here, um, the, the, of the Gospels in, in a physical sense, and that this was all, all that was God. Um, just as when Jesus was explaining the Old Testament and in the instances we've covered in this episode, it was about this is all pointing back, uh, all pointed to in the beginning with God, and it's pointing to Jesus now, and it's always been that way, and it's it's all God, it's all inspired by God, it's all about God, and saving us, having a relationship with us, and what a blessing that that is. That's going to have to do it for today's episode. Again, we want to express our appreciation to each and every one of you who spends the time listening to That You May Grow Thereby. Invite your friends to listen as well. And you can visit us at our website, www.nkcofc.com. So until next time, thanks again for listening.